night. Um, tonight is only night number two um, of our little gospel series here. And if you want, maybe, maybe someone can bring up. We have these little pamphlets. You can grab them at the end of the meeting or that. We're going through one chapter in the Bible. So I know sometimes people come out and they got to flip through the Bible looking left and right for the verse that the preacher is speaking on. But only one chapter each night. And that chapter is Isaiah 53. And before we read our verse tonight from that chapter, we're going to pray and ask for God's blessing on our meeting tonight. So we'll pray together. Our Father, we give thanks once again for safety throughout the day and also just for the opportunity to be here together tonight to listen to the greatest message that has ever been heard by human ears, the gospel message, the good news of how Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again. And we're thankful tonight that we can proclaim him as a savior and that it's finished. Nothing else needs to be added to salvation. Nothing could be added because Christ has done it all. So we think of our audience before us tonight and ask, Lord, that we would be able to speak clearly and that all would understand what is being presented to them, who is being presented to them, your son. We ask, Lord, for help as we would do this now. We ask it in your son's name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. So if you have a Bible, or if you don't, I'm going to read a verse tonight, and it's found in Isaiah 53. And last night we spoke on verse 1, and tonight we're going to skip over verse 2. I know some people like verse 2, but there's only uh, 10 nights here, and there's 12 verses, so I have to leave two out. So we're going to speak on verse 3, and in case this is your first night, we're looking at this chapter because there's a lot of people who have gotten saved through the reading of these verses in this chapter. And you might say, I don't know anybody. Well, if tonight's the first night you're meeting me, now you do know somebody. Um, I was saved through the reading of Isaiah 53. There was truth in this chapter that led me to believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins. That happened a long time ago, but this chapter was also written a long time ago. But we're going to read it tonight. I'm just going to read the verse that I'm going to speak on tonight, verse 3. We've sung a hymn uh, from this verse already tonight, and so we'll read it together. Isaiah 53 and verse 3 says this. He, that's the Lord Jesus, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not, or we didn't value him. So we're going to just read that one verse tonight. And if you could remember that verse, that's all I'm going to speak on tonight. Just thinking back on the verses that we spoke on last night, as we look at this chapter, uh, maybe, maybe it's important to note uh, that this chapter is a song. A lot of people maybe don't know that. Sometimes we look at the Bible and it doesn't appear to us like we could sing it. And I've never heard anybody sing Isaiah 53. But it is, it is a song. It's a great song in this book. And in this song, this is the fourth song in this little section, very unique. Uh, maybe you can go home, and if you record yourself singing Isaiah 53, it'll be an extra prize for you. Uh, but it's a song, and also songs have come from this song. Has anybody here ever seen Handel's Messiah? 
Okay, we got one, two, maybe. Handel's Messiah, very famous, very famous. I asked my wife, what is it called? An oratio, but very famous. And actually, Mr. George Handel, who was a famous composer, he said when he wrote his, his whole theme, and he had all these Bible scriptures, he said it was one verse that made him cry. One verse that made him cry of all the verses that went in to his whole com composition. And that verse was the verse that we read tonight. And you know what's kind of sad is that, you know, people don't cry anymore sometimes when they read this. And yet here tonight, we read a verse that made a great musician and made him cry. We've also read this verse that was written, and it was probably one of the last hymns that was sung by one of the most famous hymn writers that the United States has ever known. His name was Philip Paul Bliss. And he gave one of his last sermons at a prison in Michigan, Jackson, Michigan. And he gave his last sermon there, and he spoke on the Man of Sorrows. And then he sung a hymn that he had written, Man of Sorrows. And it was possibly the last song he sang before he unfortunately died. Him and his wife in a train crash in Ohio just a little while later. So it's an important chapter, and not only that, it's an important verse that we've read tonight when it comes to songs. But more than that, we read last night, if you were here, those ver that verse of chapter 1, of cha the verse 1 of chapter 53, and it says, Who has believed our report? You know, it doesn't say who has heard, because everybody here has heard this before. But who's believed it? Not just who's heard it, but who's believed it? And we skipped over verse 2, but... Verse 2 leads into what we're talking about tonight, and it's all about this, this desire. People didn't want the Lord Jesus. And actually, when we read the verse tonight, it's a very, very uh, powerful verse because it tells us about not only what was in our hearts, but everyone else. No one wanted the Lord Jesus. We read that verse. He was despised. He was rejected. He was sorrowful. No one wanted him. They didn't have any value for him. And I find that very unique because no one wanted the Lord Jesus. But do you know that when the Lord Jesus went places, when he went and spoke to individuals, there was one question that he asked more than any other question. More than any other question, he asked one question, and it was just this. What do you want? What do you want? You say, the man who was not wanted, he asked this question. What do you want? You know, sometimes you say, that's all a matter of where you're at. If I ask Jimmy what he wants, he probably doesn't want a house right now. Because he's, he lives with his parents. He probably doesn't want a house. So you'd say it's, it's relative. He probably doesn't want a car because he doesn't have a license. So it's, it's all a matter of his age. If I ask maybe Big Jim in the back what he wants, he doesn't want what Jimmy wants. He doesn't want a bicycle. And he doesn't want... You know, a nice summer, I don't know, uh, squirt gun. It's, it's different. You say, oh, he's different for people, what we want. You know, some people want some things, and some people want other things. If, if you're a girl, you, you, you have things that you want that boys don't want. And if you're old, there's things that you want that other people, you know what? That's true. We all want different things. But, but let me tell you something tonight. You know when wants change is when you have a need. When you have a need. You know, I once, I've been, I've been rescued from drowning at least three times in my life. It's a lot. Should have learned from the first time.
But I've been rescued from drowning three times. And one time, I rescued someone from drowning. It was in the Pacific Ocean. And we were in a far country from here. And when I swam out in that rip current to that person, you know, it wasn't a matter of what they wanted. It was what they needed. They needed to be rescued. I didn't ask them, what do you want? No, I didn't even ask them. I, I took them and I brought them in. That's like salvation. You know, the other week we were doing a job and, and, and we were digging in someone's yard and we hit this gas line. And when you hit a gas line, if you have a little spark, you can have a giant explosion in that house. You know what? I ran right to their front door. I knocked on it. I didn't say, what do you want? I said, get out of the house right now. It's what they needed. You say, everyone in that house, young or old, girl or boy, they needed to get out because there was a danger. There was something so pressing, something so important. And so when I ask my audience tonight, what do you need? You say, oh, it's all different. Now, what happens if we're not here tomorrow? What do you need? What do you want? You see, people who get saved, it's the same thing. They say, I want to be saved. I want to have my sins forgiven. I'd say, why? Why? You know, I meet a lot of people, and I was kind of like this too. Getting saved was always something that was good for next week. Getting saved was always something that was good for at the end of the summer. But you know what? I've never met anybody who got saved tomorrow. I've only ever met people who got saved today. And the Lord Jesus, he says, look unto me, be saved. Everyone. And you know what? Paul says in 1 Corinthians, now, now. You say, why would I get saved now? Let me think about it. You know, just like the person who's drowning, they don't say, let me think about it. They take, they take, they take the life guard. They, they take the life raft. The person who's in the fire doesn't tell the fireman, let me think about it. They take that person, they let them lead them out. When you know something that you need because of something that you have that is wrong, you say, and I said to you tonight, what do you want? The one question that the Lord Jesus asked. You say, I want the man who wasn't wanted. This man that we're going to speak about tonight, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be saved tonight. I wouldn't come here if I didn't think you could be saved tonight. If you told me you wanted to be saved tomorrow, I'd say, who, who knows if you get tomorrow? The Lord Jesus doesn't, does, doesn't guarantee tomorrow. But he tells you to be saved tonight. Our verse here very, very specifically mentions three twos. It talks about two actions that happened against the Lord Jesus. It says he was despised and he was rejected. And then it tells us two emotions that actually are emotions that we still feel today. It says there he was sorrowful and he had a lot of grief. And then it tells us two things about us. It says this, it says we hid our faces and we didn't actually have any value for it. And so those are the things I want to speak upon tonight. Those two actions, despised and rejected, those are pretty strong terms. You know, sometimes you ever say to your friends, you're like, I hate that. I, I hate volleyball or I, I hate that, that, that certain kind of contingent. We just kind of use the word hate, but you know, when people use this word despise, maybe you've never heard anybody use it, it's always something serious. It's always something significant. To be despised, uh, something, something so bad, something so low, it, it, it means someone is despised, that 
They can't get any lower when you look at them. In fact, if you read another verse in our Bible, in Psalm 22, the Lord Jesus there is quoted. Something said about him. The psalmist says, he is despised. He's a, he's a reproach of men. He was like a worm. He wasn't even a man, they said. And they used that word despised, that he was so low. You know, his whole life was about going lower. You know, you look at people who are despised and you think, could they go any lower? He started in heaven and he, he came to earth. And then he went to the worst city on earth. He grew up in Nazareth. It was considered just to be the lowest of the low. And not only that, but it says that he was a worm. He actually went below the, the level of the ground. In fact, it says he was like Jonah. Jonah who went all the way down to the bottom of the ocean. He kept going down. And you know what? People despised him so much, even when he had hit the bottom, when they had hung him on a cross. You know what they said? They said, come down. Come down. They say, could he go any lower? He was despised. What a, what a man that we're listening to about tonight. He was despised. You think none of us will ever, ever enter into anything close to this. But here was someone who was despised. He was rejected. No one likes rejection. I think that's a fear. I don't know if anybody else doesn't have that fear. I, I remember when I was born, I was born in Valley Hospital in Ridgewood. It's kind of a funny story, but when I was born, they say my grandfather came to the hospital and he looked in and he said, I hope that one's not ours. <laughs> Babies don't always look that good. But I, I, think, I think I've gotten better as the years have gone on. But they brought me home. They brought me home. Right? Even though I might not have been what they thought I should have looked like, they still took me home and they accepted me. You think of parents who take someone in. And, and think about school. How, how terrible it is at, at school sometimes to be rejected. I always had that fear going to a lunch table and, and, and having people almost look at you like you didn't belong there, to be rejected. Or, or, or when I would play sports and, and you were being picked for a team and, and you were so afraid of being rejected, not wanted on a team, or, or going up to a group of friends who are talking and, and have them look at you like you did not belong. Rejection is a fear that you will have every single moment of your life being rejected by family, being rejected by friends, by schools. Think about someday you're going to have to apply to college, and, and, and in, the, in the mail will come a big letter or a small letter. And when you get rejected, you think you feel so terrible, like you weren't good enough. And these are the things that we read about the Lord Jesus. He was despised, and he was rejected. Now turn it around. Turn it around and think about how he's treated you and I. Why did we despise him? Can you give me one good reason why we despised him? You know, it's eight, it's five to eight. If we sat here for another 24 hours, we wouldn't come up with one good reason. We wouldn't have one. And do you know that the Lord Jesus turned that around and he loves you? And you didn't have to ever give him a reason. No reason at all. No reason for him to love you. When my grandparents got married in 1952, my grandmother, she said she loved my grandfather because he had such thick hair. And you know, my grandfather came home from the war two years later and he was bald. Do you know my grandma still loved him because it really wasn't the hair, but it was nice. You ever say you love someone because? 
You ever say that? You say, oh, I, I love them because they are so sweet. I love them because they are so friendly. I love them because they are so funny. You know what the problem with that is? What happens when someone's not funny anymore? What happens when someone's not friendly anymore? You say, could you still love them? You see, we hated him, and we didn't have any reason to, but we still did. But he loved us, and he doesn't ask you any reason. He doesn't say, I'm going to love Jimmy because. He just says, he loves him. Doesn't need a reason. And not only that, he was rejected. And in turn, you know what we have in him? Acceptance. Acceptance. The Lord Jesus, the one who was rejected at Calvary, says we can be accepted in the Beloved. That's what Ephesians 1 and verse 6 tells us. Why? And it gives us this nice word, because of grace, something we don't deserve. To be accepted in the Lord Jesus. The two emotions that are mentioned here that are, we talk about the Lord Jesus, he's called a man of sorrows, and it says that he was acquainted with grief. A man of sorrows and grief. I think of sorrow and grief sometimes. Think of all the things that cause you sorrow and things that cause you grief, but actually in the Lord Jesus' life, there were three times that he shed tears. Some of us don't cry at all, or we wouldn't tell anybody if we did cry. It's kind of Sometimes it's uh, an embarrassing thing for a man to cry. We think, oh, maybe it's okay if you're a girl if you cry. But, you know, it's, it's something you just, you don't want anybody to see. Sometimes some of us don't want anybody to see us cry. But you think about this man, the Lord Jesus. He's called the man of sorrows. And actually that word, acquainted with grief, you know what it really means? It means his only friend. His only friend was grief. Grief is a word we use at funerals. When someone dies, you feel grief. When someone gets really injured, you feel grief. That, that deep pain. It says about the Lord Jesus, that was his only friend. Grief. But think about the time the Lord Jesus cried. He, he cried once at a funeral. And a lot of people cry at funerals. And he cried once because he knew that he was going to die. It said there in Hebrews 5, he cried. He was, he was thinking about the cross. But you know what one of the most, maybe... Uh, important times, at least for me, and one of the times that, that makes me think, again, about everyone here, is the Lord Jesus cried because he knew there were people who had heard the gospel and who said no, or said later. He looked out over a whole city one time, and he started to cry. He said, I would have loved to have saved you but you didn't want it. Think about this man of sorrows, this man whose only friend was grief. He wants to save you tonight. He would love it if you would say, that's what I want too. That's what I want. I want to be accepted in Jesus Christ. I want to know the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. This one who was despised and rejected, who was sorrowful and felt grief. Finally, the last two. It says there that we hid our faces from him and we didn't have the right value from him. Yeah, that's a, that's a hard thing to hide your face from someone. Sometimes we do it, we don't want to talk to someone or you see someone and you kind of ignore them, you hide your face from them. And it's probably one of the lowest things that you can do to another human being is, is, is that you won't even make eye contact with them because you, you don't think they're important enough for you to, to look at them so you hide your face as though 
they don't exist. And that's what people did to the Lord Jesus. They hid their face from him. You know, I like what the Lord Jesus did in return. It says there on the cross, he didn't hide his face. In fact, he didn't hide his face to the point people could spit on him. He didn't hide his face. Not only that, but I like what another book of the Bible says. It's a book called Colossians, chapter 3 and verse 2. And it says, people that are saved, people that get saved, who know their sins forgiven, who have a time when they trust the Lord Jesus Christ, it says they are hidden with the Lord Jesus Christ in God. What a hiding place. You ever play hide and seek? I used to play when I was a kid. And you know what? No one ever found me. No one ever found me. I had the best hiding places. And when the game was all done, I was still hidden. It was that good. What about you tonight? You say, how good would it be to have such a place that could hide you, that could hide you so well from all that's bad and evil and terrible, all that's coming in the world to come? You say, to be hidden, actually, the book of Isaiah, if you go back to chapter 32 and 2, you know what it says there? It says, the greatest of all hiding places is not in a rock, it's not under a tree or up a tree, it's not in a basement or in a bomb shelter. The greatest hiding place that the world will ever know. And you can go read the verse in Isaiah 32 and 2. It says there, a man, a man will be a hiding place. You know who that man is? Jesus Christ. We hid from him our faces, and yet to turn that around, he didn't hide his face. Instead, he says, you come and you can be hidden right in me. I'll protect you from everything. One who is a hiding place. Finally, the verse says, we did not value him. I look back sometimes and I think about all the things I should have bought. Maybe you guys too. I should have bought Bitcoin, right? Yep, we all say, hey, that would have been a good one. I should have bought a Tesla when they were cheap. Right? Or I should have bought a house down the street years ago because then that, that would have been a great investment. And, and you know what we do? We always look back and we think about things that they weren't too valuable then, but now we say, oh, if I only own uh, part of Facebook or if I own part of app, if I, if I only had realized how valuable that was then, man, I would have taken my whole piggy bank and emptied into that if only I knew now, if I had known it then, how about you tonight? When it comes to salvation, the Bible says here, we did not value him. We did not esteem him. That's what it says. You know, it's almost like a, a bid. You ever, go to a, you ever go to something where they hold something up to auction? They, they hold up an item and everyone's placing their bid. And one guy says $5. One guy says $10. Another guy says $15. And you're wondering, how high will it go? And they're bidding. You know, this verse tells us that when the Lord Jesus Christ, it said no one even offered a bid. No one even raised their they didn't have any value for him. He was worthless to people. How about you? How much is he worth? I'll, I'll let you in on something that the Bible tells us and that I would tell you tonight. The Bible says, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? The Lord Jesus used those words in Mark 8 and 36. He says, he says what value is it if you get everything you want, but you lose your soul. 
And then he says, what will the man give? What will a man give in exchange for the soul? A lot of people often think about that and they say, you couldn't give anything for your soul. You could. There was a man that we read of here tonight and people had no value for him. But he's the only reason I know I'm valuable because he gave himself for me. He died for my soul. He died so that my soul could be in heaven. He died so that I could be forgiven. You know, no, no one else here makes me any more valuable or less valuable. And actually, there's no one in this world that can add value to me or take away value from me. Because my value is all based in that one great fact that Jesus Christ died for David Zutman. Did he die for you? Because if he did, tonight you would realize how much he's worth. He's worth everything. Heaven took its piggy bank and turned it upside down and emptied it when Jesus Christ died at Calvary for you. And so when we read this verse, he was despised and rejected. Remember, he loves and he accepts you because he was willing to die for you. He was sorrowful and he knew grief, but there was no sorrow like the sorrow the Lord Jesus showed when he saw people who heard the message and they said, not now, not today, not tomorrow. But thank God, even though we hid our faces and we didn't think he was valuable, he didn't hide his face. Instead, he became our hiding place. And he shows us that our souls are worth so much because he was willing to die for them. You could believe that. You see, we're, we're all sinners and we're all on our way down to hell. But the Bible says that because of Jesus Christ, we sang it in the beginning, it is finished, it's all done. You don't need to do anything. You really don't even need to say anything. You don't need to pray anything. You don't need to give anything because it's all done. He did everything. You can take him as your savior, accept it in him, and to be saved, and to be forgiven. And you can have that tonight, because the only get people who get saved, get saved now. No one gets saved tomorrow. I guarantee you that. No one gets saved tomorrow, because no one knows that tomorrow even exists. And the Lord Jesus Christ died so that you could be saved tonight, now. Not only to be saved, but like we said last night, it's a wonderful thing to be saved, and it's a wonderful thing to know it. And you can know that because he has left us the proof that it's all true, that he died for you, and if you have any doubts about it, those doubts get smashed when you come and you read what's in between these covers, especially the verse that we read tonight. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, his only friend was grief. We hid our faces from him. We didn't esteem him. But you know what? We're going to find out in nights to come. And we'll quote it tonight. In turn, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his strife, we are healed. It's in this chapter. A verse we're going to get to later on this week. But you could be saved tonight 
no reason to, to wait till a later verse in Isaiah 53. You can be saved tonight through one of the great verses of this chapter. We pray to God that you would be. If it's something you want tonight, don't settle for anything less than God's salvation. We'll close in a word of prayer. Our Father, we give thanks once again for the good news of the gospel. Thankful for the prophet of how he could say, who has believed it? And as we look out in our audience tonight, we recognize the grace of God because we look on so many who have believed it. Believed that there was one strong enough to save. Not only that, but one who was willing to go low enough to save. And that was our Savior and your Son, Jesus Christ. So we ask, Lord, as we would go from here, that what we have read tonight, the words of the prophet uh, that were written over 2,700 years ago, would be as fresh as though they were penned today and the ink wasn't dry yet, and that we would realize how true they are about us and about our Savior, Jesus Christ. So this we ask for the glory and the honor of your Son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. We sang in the beginning uh, one of Philip Bliss's great songs, Man of Sorrows, because I said that was what we were going to speak on tonight. We'll sing another one of his songs, um, just because uh, it's a good hymn, and it speaks about one who paid the cost. We spoke on the end there about value. So we'll sing hymn number 54, I Will Sing of My Redeemer, and His Wondrous Love to Me, On the Cruel Cross He Suffered. From the curse to set me free. We talked about how Isaiah 53 is a song. And this song tells us to sing about no one else other than our Redeemer. With his blood he purchased me. On the cross he sealed my pardon, paid the debt, and made me free. We'll sing the first three verses of hymn number 54 and then our meeting.